Hello and welcome. This is Pastor Terry, and I'd like to welcome you to my Bible study podcast. This daily podcast is a place where we take the teachings of Scripture seriously, but ourselves, not so much. Join us as we dive into the sacred word of the Bible, and each time we read, we pray, we change the world. Welcome to Pastor Terry's Bible Study Podcast. Well, hello, everyone. Happy Thursday, June the 15th. Welcome to the podcast today. So glad you are on. It is uh, right here that we are the middle of June. Can you believe it? We are already in the middle of June. That's crazy. And we are in Romans chapter 2. So we uh, began our journey through the book of Romans tomorrow, uh, yesterday, and so we'll continue it. Uh, and so here's the thing, guys. Uh, so this will be the—I won't be live for a few uh, weeks um, going on a cruise. So, But here's the cool thing. Um, we're going to continue the podcast together because I have— um, about a couple of years ago, we went through the book of Romans. And so what I've done is I've reg I have those posts ready, those podcasts ready for each day so that we can continue reading together. So uh, yeah, just keep checking, checking your uh, podcast uh, feed every day. And uh, each day we'll have a new reading for that day. So tomorrow, uh, Romans chapter three, which is an awesome chapter. You do not want to miss that one. That's an awesome one. So, uh, so we'll actually even have a podcast on Friday this week and uh, all five days next week. So, um, you probably won't even know that they're pre-recorded. So it'll be, it's cool. That way you can, we can stay reading, uh, and stay on our reading plan through the book of Romans together. So yeah. So today Romans two and on tomorrow, Romans chapter three and uh, then on Monday, Romans 4. And next week, we'll, we'll cover 4 through 8. So, yeah. Awesome. So stay, stick with it. Don't miss it. This uh, you, you definitely want to be a part of every day's uh, podcast because uh, Romans definitely builds upon each other. So each ending of each chapter is like a cliffhanger. <laughs> like, where is he going to go from here? So uh, just like yesterday's, Romans 1. So Romans 2 picks up uh, right after that. And uh, as you recall, Paul just kind of basically said how the world is without excuse. And he was really uh, kind of zeroing in on the Gentile world. And But here, watch this. Um, he's going to zero in more on uh, Jew, the Jewish, uh, uh, his Jewish uh, family. Because, you know, they were like all amening that chapter one. Yeah, they are horrible. Yeah, they've, they've exchanged the glory of the immortal God for, you know, things they've created with their hands. They've slipped into this depraved minds now watch this chapter two romans chapter two you know what we do we read we pray we change the world you therefore have no excuse <laughs> you know what happened right there <clears throat> he just turned the table on them it's like it's just not them guys it's all of us it's you you therefore and that means you and me man uh each of us friends we have no excuse you who pass judgment on someone else for at whatever point you judge another you are condemning yourself because you who pass judgment do the same things. So uh, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, right? And so when we judge other people about their sinfulness, um, it just further uh, accentuates our own sinfulness. 
Now we know that God's judgment against those who do, do such things is based on truth. So when you, a mere human being, pass judgment on them and yet do the same things, do you think you will escape God's judgment? So he, what he's saying, he's saying God's judgment is based on truth. It's not based on any kind of preferential treatment. So if, if you're saying, amen, God's going to judge that sinfulness, and yet you're doing the same thing, do you think it's because God loves you more that he won't judge you? No, God's judgment is based on truth. It's not based on personality. It's not based on preference. It's not based on bias. It's based on truth. Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance, and patience, not really realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? That's a great verse, man. God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance. That's what God's kindness, the, the goal of God's kindness is to lead us to repentance. The forbearance, the patience, the goodness, the graciousness of God. You know, the, you look back over your life, all the the things you've done against the will and the purposes of God, um, His kindness towards you and towards me, um, were were a means to repentance. They they were used to bring us to repentance. But because of your stubbornness, and because of your unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath against yourselves for the day of God's wrath when his righteous judgment will be revealed. Stubbornness, refusing to repent, refusing to acknowledge uh, God, refusing to turn our hearts towards God. That's the human condition. Paul is laying out the human condition, that we have stubborn hearts. We have unrepentant hearts. Verse 6, God will repay each person according to what they have done. To those who, by persistence in doing good, seek glory, honor, and immortality, he will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and who reject the truth and follow evil, there will be wrath and anger. So God is the impartial judge. God is a righteous judge. So to those who seek glory, honor, and immortality, he'll give eternal life. But to those who are self-seeking and reject the truth and are persistent and determined to follow evil, there will be wrath and anger. I mean, we don't talk a lot about that, right? I mean, most of the time we don't want to talk about the wrath and anger of God, but that's the other side of a loving God. That's the other side of justice. There's, there's no, if there's no punishment, there's no justice. If there's no consequence for doing evil, then there is, is ultimately no justice. And here, Paul is laying out very clearly that there, there will be. God is a God of justice. He is a righteous God, and he, and he uh, executes righteous judgment. And so those who pursue righteousness will find a God of grace and um, will find eternal life. Those who are stubborn and uh, continue to follow evil, they will find the wrath and justice of God. Verse 9, Therefore there will be trouble and distress for every human being who does evil, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. But glory, honor, and peace for everyone who does good, 
first for the Jew and then for the Gentile. For God does not show favoritism. So that's Paul's case here. He's like, he's showing that Jew and Gentile alike are uh, accountable before God. Verse 12, all who sin apart from the law will also perish apart from the law. And all who sin under the law will be judged by the law. Gentiles are those who have sinned outside the law. They don't have the law. They didn't know they didn't they didn't have the Torah. So, but they sinned outside the law. So they're going to perish outside the law because they didn't even remember from verse one. They or chapter one. They didn't even they ignored the uh, divine qualities, the divine nature of God that has been revealed to every human being through His creation. But those who have the law, who haven't even have a more um, elaborate description and revelation of who God is, they will be judged under the law because they too have turned away. For God does not show favoritism. All who sin, uh, I read that, verse 12. For it is not those who hear the law who are righteous in God's sight, but it is those who obey the law who will be declared righteous. So. He's really driving home the the Jewish uh, to his Jewish audience here, right? Like, don't think just because you have the law that makes you holy. Just don't think just because you own a Bible <laughs> doesn't mean you're holy. Just because your grandpa was a Christian or a pastor or a missionary doesn't mean you're a Christian. Just because uh, your spouse or loved one loves Jesus doesn't mean Jesus knows who you are. Doesn't mean you have a relationship with him. So here's saying it's not just. Uh, having the law, but it's obeying the law. Indeed, when Gentiles who do not have the law do by nature things required by the law, they are, they are a law for themselves, even though they do not have the law. They show that the requirement of the law, uh, the, the requirements of the law are written on their hearts. Their consciences are also bearing witness, and their thoughts, some, uh, thoughts sometimes accusing them, and at other times even defending them. So they're going... Gentiles who work, walk according to their conscience um, are showing or are, are obeying a sort of moral law. That's a moral law that's not written on on scrolls, but a moral law that's written on their heart, and they're obeying it. They're they're uh, they're showing ob obedience to it. This will take place on the day when God judges the secrets through Christ Jesus, as my gospel declares. Now, verse 17, now you, if you call yourself a Jew, if you really, if you rely on the law and boast in God, if you know his will and approve of what is superior because you are instructed by the law, if you are convinced that you are a guide for the blind, a light for those who are in the dark, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of little children, because you have the law, because you have in the law the embodiment of knowledge and truth, you then, who teach others, do you not teach yourselves? So it's like all these, this whole litany of things are, you know, things that Israel considered themselves. They could have considered themselves a light to the blind, that they were instructors to the foolish, that they were, uh, that they, they were intent, they, and, and in some sense, they were supposed to be a light to the, to the nations. But if you really embody that, that's what you're supposed to be doing and who you're supposed to be. Um, You then who teach others, do you not teach yourselves? So you're you're teaching people what to do and what God says and what God is like, but you're not teaching yourself. You're not, there's not, there's not a change happening in you. 
You who preach against stealing, do you steal? You who say that people should not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who abhor idols, do you rob temples? You who boast in the law, do you dishonor God by breaking the law? <coughs> Excuse me. Sorry about that. That came out of nowhere. Woo. So Paul is saying, you who abhor idols, do you rob temples? You who boast in the law, do you dishonor God by breaking the law? As it is written, God's name is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. <laughs> you're not being a good witness. You're not really showing what God, you're not showing the righteousness and the, the, the full uh, picture of who God is. You're trying, you, you, you're, your calling is to teach, but you're not a very good one because you're not teaching to yourself. Um, like every good preacher should first preach to him or herself, right? I know, man. I mean, most sermons is me just preaching to myself. <laughs> uh, verse 23. Circumcision has value if you observe the law. The circumcision, you know, the right of uh, Israelites to circumcise their uh, male children as a sign that they were a part of uh, God's covenant family. And Paul's saying circumcision, this religious rite, has value if you observe the law. But if you break the law, you have become as though you have not been circumcised. Hmm. He's basically saying circumcision is a sign of, of a spiritual devotion to God. But if you just, just the mere fact that you, to put it in a Christian context, just the mere fact that you've been baptized, but if you have, if there's no outward devotion, if there's no in, or, or in, I should say inward devotion, if there's no change in affections, a, a love for God, a desire to please God, an obedience to God, and you just say, oh yeah, but I was baptized when I was 12 at that youth camp. That doesn't matter. <laughs> it does not matter. He's saying circumcision has value if you obey the law, but if you break the law, you have become as though you have not been circumcised. So if you were baptized at 12 years old, but you lived the rest of your life totally uh, like not even caring about the things and the purposes and the plans of God, it's as if you had never been baptized. So then, if those who are not circumcised keep the law's requirements, will they not be regarded as though they were circumcised? That would mean that was hard. That's hard for the Israelite hear, ears to hear right there. Did you get what he said? He's like, and the converse is true as well. Someone who's never been baptized, but they're living their lives in obedience and honor to God. And of course, he's talking circumcision, but he's saying as Jewish, as a Jewish, uh, as someone who's a Gentile who was never circumcised because that wasn't part of their custom, but they, they're living their lives in obedience to God's righteous law. Aren't they in a better situation than the person who was uh, circumcised but never obeyed the law of God? And he's saying he's, his, his, uh, his point is clear, yes. It's about obedience. It's ultimately about obedience, not about what religious right you went through or where you who 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 were your parents. The one who is not circumcised physically and yet obeys the law will condemn you. Who, even though you have the written code and circumcision, are a lawbreaker. <laughs> so, the one who didn't have all that ceremonial law but is living a righteous life, he will condemn you, even though you're sitting there with the Bible in your lap <laughs> because you're not obeying it, just because you were raised in a Christian home, but you're not obeying it, just because you went to a Christian school, but you're not obeying it, 
just because you, uh, you know, went to, you know, had perfect attendance in the fourth grade in Sunday school, but you're not obeying it. You're a lawbreaker. A person is not a Jew who is one only outwardly. Not it, not uh, not a circumcision merely outward. Nor nor is circumcision merely outward and physical. No, a person is a Jew who is one inwardly, and circumcision is a is circumcision of the heart by the spirit not by the written code such a person's praise is not from other people but from god who sees it right the idea is here that god look at the heart the circumcision of the heart a devotion see the idea of circumcision was to be set apart right um quite fit there was a physical difference uh in the israelites because of circumcision i mean use your imagination right like yeah visually Physically, there was a difference. You could identify an Israelite male physically by the way they look. And Paul is saying, but what makes one righteous before God is not a physical outward distinction necessarily, but it's an inward spiritual distinction, that there's been a circumcision of the heart. People don't see that, but God does. What is a circumcision of the heart? It's a heart devoted to God. It's a heart set apart to God. And those, those come both in Jewish bodies and Gentile bodies. <laughs> it's, the, it's the heart that is set apart for God. Such person's praise is not from other people, but from God. Why? Because God sees it. Other people don't see it, but God sees it. The, the heart that's uh, devoted to God. Hmm. So here you, Paul has laid out, it started to lay out the case that we are all kind of um, without excuse before God, um, that we all are disobedient, even though even those who were raised with the law. Like, no one's born saved, guys. Being born in a Christian home does not save you. You still have to come to a point of decision. There comes a point where you have to, and Paul's going to lay this out, that we are all without excuse. I don't want to give the... Uh, <laughs> take away the thunder here, but that's why you, chapter 3, you do not want to miss tomorrow, because Paul basically is going to show how we are all dead, and then how we can all be raised. It's pretty powerful. But right here, he's kind of put us all in the grave, right? He's shown us that we are all, we are, we're all without excuse. We all are born um, unrighteous. And even if we were, even if our parents had us go through certain religious rites, that doesn't mean you're a Christian doesn't mean your heart's devoted to God. You know, in some traditions, there's a tradition of going through a lot of catechisms and, and, and classes, and you can go through every one of those and still not be saved if your heart has not been turned to God, if you have not personally accepted Christ and personally chosen for yourself to follow Him. The benefit of being raised around it is you understand a lot more, but that sometimes that familiarity um, breeds neglect. You ever notice that? Sometimes the more you're around something, the more you tend to neglect it. And, um, and so 
I pray that that's, you know, that that's not the case for any of us. <laughs> I pray that our kids and our, our, our loved ones who are around our Christian influence um, acquire a desire to know God for themselves, that they desire to have a personal relationship with God. So, um, so as we wrap up today, hey, let's not just pray for ourselves. Let's pray for uh, those who are born into our families and those in our um, communities who are around the truth, that they don't just have a familiarity with the truth, but they have a true devotion to it. Yeah. All right, you guys, let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your holy word. Lord, we recognize that we are all without excuse. We all have uh, been shown, whether we were raised in a Christian home or just shown through our moral conscience that you've given us, uh, in many cases, what is right and what is wrong. And many, mo over and over, we have, we have chosen the wrong. We've chosen to be stubborn and selfish. And so we acknowledge, God, that we need you, that we are uh, not righteous on our own, but that we need you, a Savior. And God, we pray for our family members, our children, our grandchildren, those raised around Christian influence. Lord, that they, would, uh, that they would see through religion and they would see you, Jesus, your heart, your desire to have a relationship with them, and that they would devote themselves to you. God, we pray that our kids and our grandkids would come to a saving knowledge of Jesus and would uh, have a personal relationship with you. Lord, thank you so much for your love and your grace. Thank you for my friends today. Pray you bless them, whatever special needs, concerns, situations they have going on in their lives. May you bless them and encourage them today. Thank you, God, so much for this time together. We give you thanks for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you, my friends. Thanks so much for being on. Again, check your podcast tomorrow as well. Uh, there'll be a new podcast for Romans chapter 3. Uh, and then on Monday, we'll be jumping into Romans 4. So just stick with it every day, and we'll track through this, in, this powerful, powerful, transformative book together. Thank you for liking, subscribing, commenting, sharing this podcast. Really appreciate that. You guys have a fantastic day. We'll see you next time. Thank you for joining me on today's podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show. If this episode has been an encouragement to you, take a minute to subscribe or comment or share it with your friends. You can find me, Pastor Terry, and Bayside Church on all social media platforms. You can find Bayside at Bayside Church SH. Until next time, remember, God's word is true. Everything else is merely commentary. God bless you. We'll see you next time.